Trials, viewed in the same way that God views them, are for our growth and maturity. Much like lifting weights, running, or training for a race, these trials are not comfortable events. But if we approach them faithfully, remembering our good God and their purpose for us, we can endure unto eternal reward. As faithful Christians watch the increasing degradation of society, rising hostility toward God's word and people, and continued effects of sin and death on ourselves and our families through illness or disease, it is easy to become discouraged, maybe even begin to question God and why he allows such things to happen. But in the opening chapter of the book of James, we find great encouragement and exhortation for trials of any kind. Over the next few episodes, my goal is to encourage you in your struggles and temptations while navigating this wild world. James was the brother of Jesus and a pastor in Jerusalem, and he seems to have written this book anywhere between the early 30s to late 40s AD to the Jews who had been scattered abroad and were living in various places and circumstances outside of Israel. It seems that he was also writing to believing Jews about the practical aspects of their faith in Jesus Christ. The majority of the first chapter is dedicated to the topic of trials and is a rewarding study with practical applications for Christian living in the rising hostility of the West today. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The first thing James says to us after his greeting is that we should count it all joy or consider it a good thing when we go through trials. This is very counterintuitive, if not outright offensive, to our cultural sensibilities today. We live in a culture that thrives on victimhood and revels in emotive social media posts. But James, right out of the gate in his letter, wants his readers to understand and embrace God's perspective on life and troubles. Speaking of these troubles, they're trials of various kinds, and they're not restricted to sufferings of persecution or hostilities for the sake of being a Christian, as in 1 Peter. But these trials are various or wide-ranging. These hardships are of any kind and include things such as stubbed toes or broken arms, all the way to burned down houses or the death of a loved one, illness, ostracization, car accidents, being burned at the stake, and everything in between. Such a broad swath of suffering also includes going through temptations to sin, which James discusses later in the chapter. So, the question could be posed, what gives James? Why would I consider it a pleasure or a good thing when anything bad or hard happens in my life? Why would you tell me to do that? James anticipates this question and answers in verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So now we have our hardships, these trials that James just mentioned, reoriented. He shifts our perspective. Initially, we think trial, okay, that's a bad thing. But James is saying, no, look, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So we're being challenged to think of trials the way God does. In God's economy, trials are not for our evil, but are meant for our good. They produce in us something that is useful to God. These tests imply the refining of something so that its true qualities are shown. Many writers and commentators have noted the process of refining gold, and that's a helpful concept. Only by fiery trial can the true quality of gold ore 
become the valuable precious metal that we use in jewelry and other things. The fire purifies it. So in the same way, these tests are purifying for the believer's faith. And this purification produces steadfastness or perseverance. Another helpful concept regarding metals and fire would be the forging of a weapon, something useful. When you forge a sword or a dagger, you have to put it back in the fire many times. The fire is stoked and heats the metal up so that it can be shaped and molded into something useful. This is how God works with us through trials. God uses these trials in our lives to shape us and mold us into something useful. We develop strength just as weaponry develops strength as steel is folded in on itself multiple times or braided in on itself to create a stronger metal, a stronger weapon. We, as Christians, are molded and shaped by the refiring of our souls through trial. Steadfastness or perseverance is a lot like the strength received from physical endurance training. You only make gains if you put in the work. If you are constantly enduring trials with much complaint and whining, even alcohol and drug abuse or pity partying, uh, gluttony or other sinful indulgences that you may turn to, then you are never going to build up the endurance promised here in James. Think of the boxer or MMA fighter who trains to be able to fight well and take hits and keep moving. Every trial we endure the right way is another layer of grit for the Christians contending in this life. Think of this. If you can't endure the smallest of tests in your life, the smallest trials, then why would God ever bring you into something great he is doing in this world? Great things are typically hard things, and hard things require hard people, people tried by fire. But steadfastness or perseverance isn't a standalone benefit to trials. Look at what verse 4 says. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The more we endure trials well, the more steadfastness or perseverance we gain. James exhorts us to allow this development of endurance to have its full effect which is maturity in the Christian life. Maturity in the Christian life is progressive. And to many Christians, they think it's something that comes without much work. Many Christians act as if their sanctification is just going to happen. The longer they're saved, the more mature they will become. But the Christian life, like I just said, is a progressive experience. That's what we see in scripture. We see that we are told to work out our salvation on our knees, make our election and calling sure, take off the old man, put on the new man. The Christian life is work towards growth and maturity. It's real life-altering work in our hearts, our actions, our speech, our relationships. And James makes this abundantly clear throughout his book. As my pastor and co-podcast conspirator once said, you cannot microwave spiritual maturity. So now we see why a good God would allow trials in the believer's life. It is for our good, even if it doesn't feel good at the time. Now let's revisit that word joy. Let's look at what James says about counting it all joy. I want to share a quote from Dr. Constable and his Bible notes on James. Dr. Constable's notes are free. They're online at Plano Chapel, and they're a really great resource. They'll be linked in the description below. He describes joy this way. Another translation of all joy can be pure joy. The opposite would be some joy along with much grief. 
the attitude James advocates for here, can take all the bitterness out of even the most uncomfortable trials. Regardless of the source of our difficulties, the world, our flesh, or the devil, we can and should be glad as we go through them. When we consider the trials before us, we should do it as James says, as a joy, something to be joyful about. Not that we have to stay happy during these hardships. Here's Constable again. He, that is James, did not advocate a masochistic attitude that unnaturally rejoices in painful experiences. Rather, he commanded them to view their trials as profitable, even if unpleasant. Now, you may say, but he said to consider it a joy? Yes, that's correct, and the author's word choice matters here. Joy is not happiness. Joy is close kin to contentment and deeply rooted in faith. Faith in who God is and in his sovereignty. If joy were happiness, it would look like not grieving when we'd lose a loved one. Just be happy, people would say. Just be happy, you know they're with the Lord. Don't be sad at all that they're gone. Just smile and know that everything's okay. Which is an utterly ridiculous thing to think. But that's not what we see in scripture. There's a time for mourning. And instead of opting to grin and act like it doesn't matter when we lose someone we care about, we should grieve. But what James is talking about with this joy is being able to grieve without holding on to bitterness. Having an understanding of what he's saying happens when we go through trials. It's remembering the why that he gives in verses 3 and 4. We count it all joy because we know that this trial, this hardship, is going to be good for our development, for our maturity. And we should be able to trust in a good God. So to sum it up, James wants us to view our hardships of all kinds, ranging from small scrapes and bruises to possible or probable death, as God does. That means viewing them with joy, because we know that the end product of enduring trials in God's prescribed way leads to our development and maturity. We grow in endurance and steadfastness. We are toughened, seasoned, and hardened. So as the world around you continues to turn hostile toward you, your church, your businesses, your conservative values, your family-oriented life, remember that every trial you endure well, as James has exhorted us to do, builds your endurance for further trials and maturity and prepares you for greater work in the kingdom of God. 